Hello and welcome to Turtle Tracks Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Van Hooker. I'm here with Eric Bowser, one of the most prolific voice actors in the business right now, and who's played a handful of Ninja Turtles characters, too. Uh, how you doing today, Eric? Thank you so much for being here. I am well. Doing okay, all things considering. See, that's, that would be Tiger Claw's opinion about the pandemic, right? I've traveled many dimensions, and this one is the most screwed up. <laughs> Easily. <laughs> I mean, I my friends are talking brains, but I mean, come on, this is ridiculous. Wear a mask. How hard is that? Master Shredder has been doing that for many years. He's ahead of the game. He may be a bad guy, but man, is he smart. Uh, but I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Tiger Claw's doing good. Uh, Master Sh- Master Splinter's doing good. He's all right. You know, he's the king of social distancing. He just has to go into the sewer and just hang there, have some hot soup. Everything will be fine. That's uh, awesome. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I always think of uh, Master Splinter's voice, uh, my version, as Tiger Claw if he was uh, washed in hot water and left in the dryer for too long. So he kind of just shrunk down a bit. <laughs> uh, you know, I would love to see an, a, a scene where both of them get to fight. Uh, and again, considering that uh, Ninja Turtles uh, loves their alternate dimensions, uh, I don't see that. Uh, I, I, I see that happening possibly in the near future. That would be a very big callback uh, for someone like myself. Um, but uh, work-wise, everything is going good. Uh, you know, family-wise, everyone in, in, in my family, my closest ones to me are very healthy. So that's good. I really can't complain. And I hope... I hope the same for uh, people and turtle fans listening uh, to this right now. And I hope that you guys are doing okay. And I hope that you can find some happiness and watching some, uh, you know, Ninja Turtles reruns and, uh, and uh, some new ones. Uh, I guess, I guess they had finished uh, airing all of them. Is that, is that true? Is, is uh, that was it? They, they may have aired the finale for rise of TMNT uh, a week or so ago or a couple weeks back. So yeah, I'm, I've been. Uh, I had not been able to kind of catch up on all of them up until recently, uh, in part because of the, like I've got more time to do. It. Uh, yeah, like the yeah they they ran the final episode uh, probably two or three weeks ago. From when yeah, Leo became anointed the leader, which uh-huh. the sticking point is finally. Uh huh. See, the thing about the show was that you know, like every uh, and now I I can say this from experience. It's funny how. Uh, you know, people react, and by people I mean uh, the fans, like the the, the real hardcore fans uh, of of any franchise. It could be this. I have experience in Looney Tunes, and uh, you know, the, the people remember things and and um, about the original that you may not think is important, but to them is like the whole world to them. So, like when the 2012 series premiered. People flipped out that they had three toes instead of two. Oh yeah, and now that's forgotten uh, about. Now like that everything's fine. And then, oh but, yeah, it was a big deal. I remember it was it was huge. And yeah. then you, you I, I laughed because you fast forward like five seasons and you tell people they're taking the show away and they, people freak out. They're like, no, not we love not my three toed turtles. Not my three toed turtles. Yeah. So it's yeah. like. And then the same thing with Rise. It's like, wait a second, you know, Raph's the leader and, and Splinter's lazy. I don't get it. He doesn't like his kids. And then you realize it's, yeah, it's Rise. It's a prequel. So it's, it's, it's them starting at a place that you may not clearly, uh, it's, it's not traditional. 
But, uh, you know, because it was such a jarring uh, move and a bold move for the franchise, um, I think uh, people just started to it's it's one of those uh you got to you got to follow it to the end kind of things and uh for the people that did uh especially on social media who have reached out and have written about it you really see how much they really enjoyed where the show went uh and yeah. and the the gravity of it all they really really they packed a lot in in the, the last four and it's like you kind of wish uh, now, maybe as a Turtle fan like myself, that there could have been another season for all of this to breathe a little, like room to breathe and really just let it build even more. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, you got you to gotta make the best of what you have. And uh, if, if the, the, you know, the people upstairs are saying, well, it's just not working out for us and we got we to gotta wrap it early, uh, then you just got to go with the flow and, and just make the best of it. So... I mean, the show did over time begin to like I don't know resemble more of what we know. Like you know, Shredder showed up and everything. But I mean, like I, you know, uh, to Ant Ward and Andy Seriano, who I, I I hope to talk to someday personally on here because I just feel like you know, good for them for trying something different. I mean, and I love uh, like 2012 took the approach of let's take kind of the best of everything and then add a shit ton of new cool stuff too. Yeah. Like, uh, I mean seeing the same stories again for yet another time in rise. I don't think, I mean, I don't think we needed that again. I don't think it would have worked. I think yeah. that you have to really go and, uh, and again, explore other possibilities, introduce new characters and, and, but still keep it in that same vibe. And man, oh man, you know, as, as a guy uh, who started out uh, before I was a voiceover artist, I started out as a character layout artist in animation the approach that they took as far as, uh, you know, style and animation was just uh, insane. Like, there's some stuff in there that looks better than some animated movies. Uh, like, oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, like, this is like on a TV budget and they're going for some crazy, super uh, extreme fight sequences that seem to go on forever. And, and I loved every minute of it. Every, every... Every fight scene, the one where they had the ladders and, and the fish. Oh, yeah. yeah instead yeah. of, like, weapons. You know, it was, very, yeah, yeah. it was very Jackie Chan, and it was very, you yeah. know, the animation style is very reminiscent of the gorillas. You know, it's... it's oh, yeah. Why, why I think the show worked and the, and, and the style worked is because it had that super um, stylized and graphic-looking style where it's just, even if it didn't move, it still looks nice. And then when it does move, even if it's just a little bit, the animation is very uh, specific and it's very, um, just very thorough and thought through and very like, it doesn't have to move a lot to make it look like it's moving at all. And, and it just, and then when it does move, when it was really moving, it was amazing. So uh, to the, not just to Anton Andy, but the teams that they had assembled, I know there was an Australian uh, animation company and, and, you know, whoever else touched that, uh, series uh, overseas and even in house, I'm sure they had some really good uh, technical uh, animators. Uh, you know, making things work. Uh, kudos and congrats, and and thank you for uh, allowing me to be a part of such a, a an interesting take on uh, these characters uh, that we we all know like cousins. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean it's it, it's a beautiful looking show. Like it was just this crazy 
like frantic in the best way energy. Like it's just, and like, I think the, the format change of making it, you know, the two parts of the half hour for the most part, like made it punchier and sillier. And like, it was just, it defined itself in its own weird way of like, this is a new take on turtles. And if you dig, like I, I had Rob Paulson on this podcast right before it premiered. And he was like, look, if you, if you dig it, watch it. If you don't, don't. But like the, the, the hate people were giving before the show even started was in. And I'll tell you why. Uh, it's because they announced the big, like the intro, like the very first mention of this new show was in an article uh, about the cancellation of the 2012 series. Yeah, yeah. So immediately you are like, you are like, hey, remember that show? It took you five years to love and like you can't get enough of it. We're taking it away, but we're giving you this new show that is completely insanely different. And, uh, you know, already yeah, it's true. people were like, wait, what? And I was like, oh, no, because like it wasn't ready to air right then and there. I think they should have just like talked about the old show, let it go. Yeah. And and even even if it was a month or even a few weeks before they talked about the next show, at least it was separate. They, they mentioned it in the same breath. And I think that's a, for me, that was like a, you know, in my opinion, a, a little bit of a, a PR nightmare where you're just like, you've you've already attached negative feelings to the very first idea that there's going to be another show that's going to replace the, this one. Yeah. And it's like, you know, people that they are hiring to make these shows are, are, uh, you know, master artists. And, and it's like, there's no way it's going to be uh, better than the last one. It's going to be better than, uh, you know, it, itself. It's going to be a, as best as can be in its own right. You know, uh, each and every time they, they bring these characters out, they always bring on some great people. So it's going to be good no matter what, I think. And you just have to give it a chance, but you don't like we're living in that age. You and I grew up in the era of like, okay, they're going to do a remake of something. And it's because it's been like a year or two, yeah. like yeah. before when it was a remake, it was because you hadn't heard of the franchise in a long time. Yeah. Uh, now we're living in the age of remakes on remakes. Like they're happening <laughs> at the same time, like Looney yeah. Tunes, like yeah. they had Looney Tunes show. That was 2011. And then right when that one was like, uh, people weren't into it uh, because it was trying to do like the animated sitcom, like family guy kind of humor. I watch it back now and I think it's genius. Like it's, it's super dry. It's, it's kind of funny. Like the way that they, they use the relationships in that series uh, for these, again, characters that we know, like the back of our hands. And then they went kind of back to the drawing board with Wabbit and that was literally right as soon as that uh, Looney Tunes show was done. Like, they immediately went right into it. Yeah. But even that one had enough time uh, to breathe. But they weren't – they didn't put it back on uh, Cartoon Network, like uh, Looney Tunes show. Um, uh, I think the call was that it was too retro or, like, the Cartoon Network was like, well, it's too old-fashioned and we'll put it on Boomerang. And even then, they didn't even do that. And then it had been, like – a year or two, and then they already started making Looney Tunes cartoons, which is the one I'm on for HBO Max. So it's like, I've been on all three. Yeah. And when you're sitting there in like, you know, an interview or Comic-Con and they ask you these questions, you're like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I, just, I, I literally am thankful for all those opportunities, but the handling, like, you know, 
because I think they knew they wanted to put it on a streaming channel, but they didn't know when that streaming channel was going to assemble because that was all because of AT&T. You know, I, I think it's just, uh, it's just very funny. The day and age that we live in now. I mean, the only time we could watch cartoons as kids, you and me were like Saturday mornings. Oh yeah. And then sometimes after school and that was it. Now it's like, uh, Oh, uh, they're premiering a new show on, on the back of this phone just cause it has a reflective surface. You know? like, <laughs> it's a micro series. It, it's literally going to be on, it's going to be on my Instagram story for 24 hours and it's done. And as uh, soon as the pilot airs, it's like, okay, when's the reboot coming? <laughs> yeah. 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 So it's like, uh, I mean, now they had announced that Seth Rogen's going to take over and, and make, a version of Ninja Turtles. Yeah, which, yeah, yeah. Which I, think, I, yeah. I think for relationship-wise, it's going to be pretty funny because, like, their whole focus is on, you know, what he's best at, and that's, like, teenage adolescence behavior. And, like, probably, I'm, I'm assuming the dialogue between the four brothers probably will be super funny. Uh, oh, yeah. And let's hope, uh, you know, judging from his co- uh, comedic action uh, background with Pineapple Express, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, who knows what he's going to whip up. And again, I'm sure, you know, it's an interesting move to reach out to, uh, you know, a celebrity uh, to do, uh, I don't know if it's going to be a movie. I think it might, is it going to be a movie? Oh, no, I think it's CG. I'm sorry. It's CG, I think. Yeah. A CG TV show or CG movie? CG movie. Yeah. CG movie. Okay, okay. I thought it was going to be a TV show for some reason. I think it was a movie. Yeah. But, you know, cool. I'm sure as soon as it premieres, they'll reboot it too. So. <laughs> <laughs> but it's cool. Like, I, I mean, like, I, I don't know. I, I'm kind of a... I think so many people get so defensive about things. I mean, I try to find something to like about every version of the Turtles. Uh, yeah. In, in not everyone's my favorite. Like, like this one back here was a pleasant surprise. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, behind you is a... a, a a poster of Batman and turtles. And I went into that. Not so sure. Cause I don't always love the DC movies. I just, yeah, I, I do. I do. And I, I am like looking at this as like Nickelodeon. Like you could literally take uh, the brains and, and, and some of the talent and, and create another crew of the 2012 turtles oh, yeah. and make a slew of movies. Yes. Like you could do one-offs, Till your wrists fall off and your hands fall off of your arms. Like, what are you waiting for? Like, like this was proof to me, like DC, you may or may not like every DC animated superhero movie, but the fact is they come out with like three or four every month or so. It seems every two months and they're produced really well. The, uh, you know, they up the, uh, the PG-13 every time. Uh, even in this one, there was some like, oh, my God, you know, people had their... I was surprised. I really was. Were getting their arms chopped off or their heads or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, they still managed to, uh, at least in my opinion, again, speaking from a fan's point of view, really cater to both sides of this union you know you're like oh what angle are they gonna do oh and it's it's ninja turtles from you know new york going into gotham which is basically new york (laughs) or chicago or whatever uh east coast metropolis you know like and it was funny because it was like their honest opinion about like you know why are there so many blimps in the sky and like all this other stuff and it's like you know, people are people have been shouting on on Twitter for a sequel for this uh, for for at least a year, and um, 
it was again one of those things where uh you know i've i've played i've played leo i've played donatello and in, in, in a span of shorts and uh, you yep. know not a series yep. definitely this this yeah. version of movie uh this is this is a great uh trivia that i like to throw out there uh is that i was the fourth person to read uh for the 2012 uh raphael like i was in line okay. to play raf uh, yeah but there was a note uh, we did a table read we did the pilot record uh, like it was an animatic it was never fully animated with my voice but uh there's an animatic out there that exists where it's uh, uh jason biggs uh, Greg Sipes, what's up, bro? Uh, uh, Donatello as uh, uh, Rob Paulson as Donatello and me as Raph, and then um, some notes had come down from from the top. Some executives. One was like, you know, it's weird, and I kind of agree with them um, that the edginess of like the edge of my voice sounds kind of like Jason Biggs in in in, in some respects. So they were like, it's very strange, but when we hear it, like, we love the humor that he's pouring in his wrath. Because I was getting, like, a lot of laughs with my line deliveries at that table read. They had flown in about a dozen Ninja Turtles fans from around the world. Uh, they had these amazing seats that were made out of skateboards at this event. Oh, wow. they, had, they had every Ninja Turtles toy up until 2012 on display on, like, on like every wall in that in the Nickelodeon has a gymnasium where they do like special presentations and stuff. And it was, it was really surreal. There's video of it. I'm sure somewhere um, of me reading his raft. And uh, I got uh, replaced by a young uh, uh, actor by the name of Sean Astin. I don't know if you've heard of him, but uh, he's a, he's a <laughs> hobbit uh, and, and a goonie. Some people call him. And, uh, and he played one heck of a Ninja turtle. I oh, think yeah. his performance as Raphael is was exactly what the show needed. And, uh, you know, it was, uh, and then later I got to play Tiger Claw anyway. So it's like, you know, you, you, you go through a, 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 a lifetime of uh, bumbling henchmen to shredder. And you finally come up with this character named Tiger Claw, who is if uh, Tony, the tiger Han Solo and Boba Fett had a baby, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you have Tiger Claw and, you know, a friggin' bounty hunter that like, like like Boba Fett takes the weapons of every person he takes out, and he was a badass. And I love playing. Yeah, Tiger I love playing. Tiger Tiger Tiger. He was the Mo, and then Bebop and Rocksteady were Larry and Curly. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, he did get that dynamic over time, which is kind of great. Oh yeah, you know, even in that preschool, uh, you know, that one-off preschool uh, version where they had the turtles, oh, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And, and and Tiger Claw was like. Shut up! You know, you know, he's just like get in the van. You, you're making me angry. <laughs> you know, every move that uh, uh, Bebop and Rocksteady did was completely, you know, dismissed by Tiger Claw. The uh, I really wanted to see more of those half shell heroes. I thought that was real, like super potential for because I have a kid too. So like I, I, I mean, we've watched that one a bunch of times, and it was. Yeah. For me too. I mean, Glenn Murakami like worked on that. You know, he he was like on board for a lot of Teen Titans and Batman and a lot of develop. He's a great artist. Look him up on uh, Instagram. He always posts some amazing artwork, new and some archival stuff that he's like, oh yeah, I forgot I drew this, and it's just like, you know, simple sketchbook, super minimal like lines and like hard shadows. Like, really has that kind of um, you know. Uh, Mike Magnola, Bruce Tim, kind of like simple, but like 
just bold oh, yeah. kind of like art. And he uh, helped design like a lot of that stuff. Um, another artist that comes to mind in that regard is Derek Wyatt. I wonder what he would do with the Ninja Turtles, what his take would be. But uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it, it, again, there's always something, uh, a pot on the stove. So even though Rise is uh, over, uh, they had started a movie that is going to be uh, shown and premiere over at uh, Netflix. Yeah, I was going to ask you, is it, so is that still happening? So is that follow-up right after the finale? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it might just be its own standalone story. Uh, I think that they do address everything that has happened in the series, but I think it's just kind of like its own story. And uh, uh, I'm just hoping that it's, uh, you know, because as you know, as uh, as uh, series and production winds down, you have to start letting go uh, of your artist uh, department by department. So, you know, of course, maybe one of the first people to go would be storyboard artists because that's they're kind of like right after the script writing phase. Uh, and then, you know, you go on to like maybe special poses. And then once all those special poses are done, uh, you start working at the same time on backgrounds, uh, color keys, and then you get the animation back and the voice acting. So I really hope they were able to retain all their top, uh, top dogs on on each and every department uh, to continue on working with the movie. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I'm, I'm curious what else they'll do because it kind of, you know, it, it, it did feel like I wish there was another season at least to kind of live and breathe with those characters uh, and to see Leo as the leader and see how it kind of evolves. But, That's what I mean. It's like that, that would have been so great. Or if they oh, had done like flash forward episodes, you know? Yeah. Uh, I could have also done with like another, although to, uh, to harken back to 2012 for a second, like the way they rebooted that series in the last season where it was Tales and kind of had these like four or five part chunk stories. Like, I feel like they could, like you were talking about with the Batman thing. I feel like they could do that once. Year or yeah. To finish, to finish that thought, it, it was like, wow. Like you look at the track record of Warner Brothers and their home uh, entertainment, uh, you know, department and the amount of, I mean, how many Scooby-Doo straight to DVDs have come out in the last two years? I can't even count on like two hands and people love it. And it's, they're they're always good. They're always produced extremely well. They're really funny. Um, Same thing goes for all like the justice league stuff uh flash batman superman superman batman everything that they've done in like the last even two to four years i mean in the last decade have been so impressive uh you know they go back to the well they they reinvent and they have a new style they have a minimal style they have you know there, there are some that seem that are a little bit more you know this this could have been a tv show maybe they had like uh a thought to make uh, you know, four, just like you said, like four disc, like a four disc long movie with yeah. the Ninja Turtles and you have a mini series, you know, like put it up on HBO Max now that you have that. Um, or I guess Netflix uh, would be the, the home base for Nickelodeon. But you have that audience now that loves miniseries. You have that scope that is like, oh, it's only four episodes? Great, because they're going to be four amazing hour-long or you know, hour and 20-minute long episodes that all connect. And uh, here's like four special edition figures that people will drool over. You know, it's like yeah. when they released 
the, the, the originally originally it was supposed to be just Michelangelo in the Batman. I have that right here behind uh, me. Right. Yeah. That, that was the first one. And then when I saw the photos of everyone else, and I think Alfred's even, like, he even yep. has a toy. Yep. I was like, what the F? Like, that's crazy. Like, I, I went out to, I guess it was GameStop exclusive. Yep. or yeah. I, I bought, like, I have, like, a stack of, like, Leos in my closet that I'm like, <laughs> sign them, send them to fans or whatever. That's awesome. Um, no, you know, they're and they look, they were the only, like, and I'm a huge turtle collector, but like, and I, you can't see them from this far away, but my fan turtle toys are all up because they're one of like, they're only turtle toys that look like that. They're really damn cool. They looked exactly like how they looked in, in the, the production. Like oh, yeah. there, there wasn't like, Oh, it looks like they held back here or the clearly the budget. This came with like multiple hands. It came with pizza slices. Oh yeah. It came with like accessories and they managed to get that crazy edge like, you know, again, that yeah. like kind of hard shadow, Mike Magnola kind of like, oh, they even put the crease on his cheek, like on Leo's cheeks and stuff. And like his, his, uh, his chest plate and his, even his shoulders have that edge. Like they really went for it. And like the articulation's pretty good. And I was just kind of like shocked. I was shocked. Number one, shocked that they were coming out with toys because hey. almost everything I do, I'm like, where's the toy? <laughs> I'm like, if you're not going to give me a shirt, I'm going to have to make the shirt myself, but where's the damn toy? Yeah. And th- my prayers were finally answered with this one uh, project. And again, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, the only turtle I have left to play technically, if we're talking technically, it's Michelangelo. So, I'm sorry. Cause I, I, I played, yeah. you're the only person to match Rob Paulson turtle wise, but I guess if you did Raph, well, well, Rob will always be a king of the turtles for oh, so boy. many reasons. So many reasons. <laughs> I love Rob. He is my hero. Uh, I was actually going to wear a Yakko Warner shirt for this interview, but I decided to go with that. Eh, classic bug stock. Um, oh, nice. But, but uh, yeah, I mean, Rob, Rob will always be top-notch, clearly. The godfather uh, of... Vo- I call him the Johnny Carson of anim- animation, by the way, because, you know, he had that, he had that podcast and... You know, he's he's, oh, yeah. he's, a, he's an icon, man. What can you say? He's 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 so classy, and he knows uh, how important his contributions to animation are, and and they are. He's worked on so many remarkable things, and um, and he just and it's not even like he has to stretch his voice that much. I mean, like they all live within the same neighborhood. It's the acting, of course, that he pours into these roles that makes him different. But, uh, but he does have the crazy vocal range. Like, I, I, you know, him and DiMaggio, they have that very distinct sound to their voice. No one is that. Um, it's not a Billy West yeah. where you, you have no idea who the hell he was. It's right. Like, right. Yeah. Yeah. But it's just, that just goes to show you like, and just like Billy West, their careers have, Oh have yeah, stood the test of time, and and that's the kind of, you know, for for a voice actor like me, generations uh, below them, I just I, I I think about that often, and I'm like, wow, like how do how do you survive this long? And it is it is uh, it is because of you know award winning acting. Uh, oh. So I gotta get good if I want to last. I gotta get good. <laughs> yeah, he's also just like as like. A, such an infectiously nice guy. Like he's just a sweet, I've met him a handful of times. He did the podcast. Like he's just such a sweet, good dude. He really, uh, did you ever get to meet him over at New York comic con? 
Yes, I met him at Comic Con. I've been to the, uh, his Animaniac show a couple of times. Uh, oh man, I am so bummed out uh, about Comic Cons at all this year. Oh yeah, uh, they've they've been such a I call it the the company Christmas party. Uh, yeah. The, when's the last time you're out in San Diego? Uh, I'd actually. Uh, I, embarrassed to say this i've never been to san diego oh you gotta come out man i got a pass yeah. for you next year okay all right cool i'll take, take your track hopefully hopefully we'll have one next year i don't know man yeah. maybe it'll be a bare minimum who knows it might be a lottery it might it might have to be the, the amount of crowd control that they would have to do in the city alone not just because sure. even if you don't go inside to the con the city of san diego is like the streets like you have like the convention center which is like right by like you know the water right off the water right off the harbor but then it goes into like the grid of like the city and like downtown like the gas lamp district and it's insane it's packed shoulder to shoulder on the streets on the sidewalks so i don't think there's going to be much social distancing happening um yeah maybe within a confined space like inside the convention center you can control lines and the distance between and how many people you let in sure. but on the streets themselves there's no there's no way you can control the, that that ferocious of a crowd and i mean like people dressed up in like darth maul costumes <laughs> you know like i wonder if like, i can do any of that stuff without without a vaccine i really do i, I mean and and like uh I made jokes for years that I was going to cosplay as a big bottle of Purell. <laughs> my, my jokes have come back to haunt us all. It's like, you idiots. Why did you say that? Uh, but New York Comic Con was clearly, you know, if not just as good, better than, than San Diego. It's bigger. The amount of people at New York Comic Con was uh, rivaling, if not almost like, you know, a hundred thousand more because i think three hundred thousand was like getting up there for san diego but then like i heard new york had four hundred and thirteen thousand one year and wow and and it's divided they go to the the hammerstein uh theater and then um and of course javits center is all like it's 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 like uh it's like a it's like a building that's halfway transforming like metroplex or something it's like the leg hasn't formed yet so we're we're gonna put uh this uh panel here we had so much fun with ninja turtles there we i did so many ninja turtles panels um there was that one year that uh that i was hosting the the 2012 tmnt uh, or no, maybe i was just a panelist they had andre uh, Andre Meadows, Andre the Black Nerd, he was always a huge supporter of us, and uh, always we always text each other going, "Man, no Comic Con, sad, sad emoji, cry emoji." But one year in New York, because they had these like Ninja Turtle WWF crossover toys, do you remember that? Yes, I do. Yeah, <laughs> it was like Sting, I think. Yeah, Sting, Sting yes. came up on stage with us, and oh, uh, wow. <laughs> I was like laughing so hard because I was like, I was like, oh my god, you know, like get my phone out. I had to film because like I'm a huge WWF fan uh, as as a kid, at least for the classics. Classics being Hogan, and then like you know, modern classics being like you know, The Rock and Stone Cold era, Thursday SmackDown, Monday Night Raw. Uh, when it was still on Spike TV, uh, and um, but yeah, it was. It, it's been such a trip uh, being part of this, you know, family and legacy, and the fans. Uh, if we could talk 
about the fans for just a minute. The Please, yeah. the the loyalty and the the just outpouring of love and you know every time uh, we would be there in San Diego, um, just the 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 regulars that we'd get every year. Like they would be, there'd be people we'd see and it'd become a thing, you know, like the first year you're like, Oh my God, like there, there are some pretty diehard fans out there. And then you do it three or four more times. And it just becomes, it's like, it's like going to your favorite bar, (laughs) you know? And Hey, you know, and they line up and then, and then the, the, even within the seconds or the minutes that you spend with them in line, it just seems like, you know, you want it to last longer and and if there's any stories and then you connect online and you know just can't tell you how how uh insane it is to be a part of um there's so many franchises popular that came out of the 80s and 90s but to be associated with this one in particular is it's it's like it's a it's a juggernaut it really is it's a huge um uh responsibility and, a, and an even bigger honor it's, I mean, it's a hell of a thing to be a part of. And, and you're such like, you've been able to be so many different characters within it. Like, so just to do the rundown real quick, you were Tiger Claw, you were Hunt's yes. 12 series, um, Splinter in Rise, uh, Donnie, you were Donnie in one of those, um, in Donnie versus Raph, right? The- yeah. Uh, Jonan Vasquez, the creator of Invader Zim. I actually thought, holy crap, if you're going to pick anyone to do it's a, nutty a, thing. It's a great. version of these guys, and he did. And uh, it was animated by Titmouse, Titmouse Animation, who notoriously animates for a lot of Adult Swim, you know, um, yep. Super Jail, Venture Brothers. Uh, gosh, you, you name it, they've animated on it. And... Um, they're now signed exclusively to Netflix as well for series. And uh, gosh, uh, that was a pretty cool one because I found myself sitting in a room. I had already met and worked with uh, uh, Adam uh, Devine, uh, who is uh, a stand-up comic and one of the, the, the actors from the uh, Workaholics uh, show that was on Comedy Central. And the rest of the cast uh, voiced the other Ninja Turtles. So I'm sitting here in a room with these already established celebrities that, like from the Workaholics crew, and I'm, and I'm Donnie, you know, like they filled out the rest of the Turtles. Like as if as if they couldn't as if they couldn't find a fourth. They could have easily found a fourth person to fill that role. But the fact that they they cast me in it, I was like, this is going to be crazy because I know it's a short and I know it's going to be good. And then the other short, uh, Leo, uh, you were uh, Turtles Take Time, right? Yeah, Turtles Take Time. In there space. was a whole bunch of those shorts. I love Turtles Take Time. Holy Lord, that was great. Yeah, that was uh, written by Brandon Allman, yeah. uh, who who was responsible for some of the greatest episodes of the 2012 uh, series, and and I, you know, one of the co-producers, and uh, uh, you know, the generosity of almost all the showrunners that I've ever met or, or had the chance to be become friends or work with, and has just been astounding. And uh, I don't know if it's me being nostalgic. I guess after. Um, after all these years and I'm still working with these guys from time to time. Uh, it's, it is crazy how lucky I've been because that, that doesn't often happen to just a regular dude. Like 
there are people that are working in this industry because they're so damn talented because they did take the time to go to, you know, to take dramatic arts and become a thespian, a real deal actor. I'm, I, I learned in the booth. I was the kid that was like, huh? You know, like, wait, I can't talk this close to the mic. Like just stupid common sense stuff. I mean, I did take audio, um, you know, film, television, and radio production in college. Like, I'm on the other side. If you were to drop me off at a radio station or ask me to edit your movie, I could do that for you. Like, I, I like that. That was my level of expertise and my interest was the technical side. Um, but then, of course, you're working in a group of, uh, you know, in college, and they're like, well, someone has to be the reporter and, and be on the microphone and, you know, read this copy. Like today, if you're driving home, uh, don't take the 405 because it's all jammed up. If you're going to take any route, you want to get off at, you know, like, I, and then I was like, okay, well, hey, voices, doing voices. I've always liked to make fun of people's voices and imitate people and imitate cartoons. It was just this weird, like, you know, they could have picked anyone, uh, but they, but they picked me and maybe because they, they saw the amount of excitement and passion that I had about, you know, I can kind of do this voice. And they're like, yeah, you can. Let's see what else you can do. Let's push you further. And like someone like Andrea Romano, who, you know, clearly has worked with the best of the best. And when you're in the room with her, you only want to be the best. There's something about working with Andrea, you know, she's retired now, but there's something working about working with her on Ninja Turtles 2012 and Peter Hastings for that matter. That's like, Animaniacs gold right there. Peter Hastings and, and Andrea Romano, you know, they're working on Ninja Turtles and you're, and they, they pick you as Tiger Claw and you're like, so I have to be a badass. <laughs> I've never been a badass in my entire life. How the fuck am I going to do this? Oops. I said the F word, but uh, you know what I mean? Like that's the level of like, you know, my palms are getting sweaty just thinking about the anxiety. I was like, oh, my God, how am I going to sound like a, like this tiger that will rip your head off uh, and that wants to kill the Ninja Turtles? Like, it was quite the challenge, but I, I got through. And, you know, <laughs> the best story about, about that, uh, that character was that famous rooftop battle between Tiger Claw and Splinter where they have an exchange. And Hoon Lee, of course, is, I think, one of the best splinters since the original, if not the best splinter for the dramatic chops again. Like, the oh, gravitas yeah. that he added to, to to Sensei was insane. But there was an exchange. Literally, one sentence exchange was... Um, uh, and it was, uh, even a frightened cat will bite a rat. Uh, and that was like a, uh, uh, you know, a, ancient Japanese uh, Yakuza slang proverb that took four sessions for me to get perfect. Because the first time I was like, eh, it's written phonetically. I can do it. And it, uh, whoever, <laughs> someone on the crew heard it back and they're like, what the hell is this? What language is he speaking? It sounds Italian. It's a Mario. Like I was doing this weird accent and then like, they're like, Oh no, 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 no. It goes like this. And then they had two of the, the, the storyboard artists that lived in Japan that, that taught English. And then I did it their way. 
And that way was wrong. And then <laughs> they finally got another storyboard artist who was Japanese, who lived in Japan, who could speak Japanese. And she was like, no, no, no. Not only is it like this, but it's Yakuza slang. It's like, it's, it's, it's so like not regular Japanese. It's like, you have to say it like, so that's why I know that line. And it's like tattooed in my brain. Forever? Maybe, yeah. maybe the reason why Andrea Romano retired because of my idiocy. But, um, you know, again, the, the, the challenge of being in a room with someone like Sean Astin and Rob Paulson and Greg Sipes uh, and then later, Seth Green and Jason Biggs. I spent boot time with him. Uh, who else was on the show? Fred Tanishore, J.B. Smoove. Um, uh, I know Clancy Brown was in it. Uh, you know, th- these are people that are like from all of your favorite sci-fi movies. They had John Kassir, Robert Englund. He was black. Robbie Rist came back. So Robbie Rist, oh man, he's so nice. And again, you're just in the room and you're just like, what do I have to offer? And you, and you just got to bring it. You got to believe in yourself and bring it. For any young voiceover actor out there, if I can be Tiger Claw, <laughs> then, then you could be anything you want. I would love to, uh, my dream for this uh, character, Tiger Claw, is to see like years from now, if there are remakes on remakes, as there will be, because we know that's, that's, that's oh, yeah. inevitable. I would love to see someone else take over the role, uh, you know, a couple times and someone else after that. Like, I would love to see their, like, for them, for, hopefully he was popular enough for, uh, for there to be a need for him in, in another version down the road. And I would love to see someone else, uh, you know, take over the role or something just so I could say I was the first one and that there, there was a, there was a following that would be so cool to me. Uh, but you know, my son has to go to college to you of the turtles characters you played. Is he like the most personal because he was the first or like you, I think, I think so. I mean, clearly like playing someone like Leo in, in, in a successful version of, of like the turtles, or master splinter, which was completely left field. Like someone that, you know, he was like of the Mr. Miyagi uh, kind of brand of uh, like tough love. Like, I don't really care what you guys are up to tonight. I just want to watch TV. He was, <laughs> he was, Mr. Miyagi was a drunken maniac. Yeah. Like if, if, if Archie Bunker uh, had, had a, had a, you know, uh, like a, a kimono on and, and love ramen, uh, you know, I mean, there's so many different things I said. I was like, if, if, if Yoda and the, the New York uh, pizza cat had a baby and went to college with Danny DeVito, you know, like there's so many versions of, of him that come to mind that I just laughed because I was like, yeah, how come he hasn't been played like a bad dad? You know, like his, his, clearly he was always a good, good father. He cared so much for his kids, but what if for one instance, he was like, man, like, and then later you you see that he is like the he grew to be the splinter that we all love anyways yeah. um because that's eventually where they're going to go it's a not just a rise for the team and it's a rise for april it's a rise for splinter you know and eventually the rise and fall of shredder um spoiler alerts uh but you know again kind of kind of an amazing uh version and uh i hope 
that's the only hope you can have for something like that is that it does leave a mark or it, 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 and, and at the time, again, uh, Ciro Neely in the 2012 uh, TMNT, they did a remarkable job and a tough act to follow. But again, you have amazing storytellers like Andy Siriano and Ant Ward who worked on the 2012 series. So it's not, you know, I feel like maybe this was some alternate stuff that he wanted to get off his chest or like, this is what we could have done this time around. And they did. Um, uh, I wish they made more toys. Uh, I would have loved to have seen another version of Splinter. Yeah. I do love the fact, you know, with Tiger Claw, that felt like something when his toy came out. Yeah. Like I, I bought like, 50 he got two figures, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, the, yeah, he had he had like the uh, the cult leader uh, yeah, crimson yeah. crimson tiger claw, yeah. which is hard to find. Uh, and there's a version. I think the prototype is all white. Like he has an all. He looks like the Pope. <laughs> like <laughs> oh, tiger claw. <laughs> he looks like the Pope, and I wanted to buy. I, I don't know if it exists anywhere. If there's anyone out there that hasn't, I wanted to buy it, like, like make like a little Pope hat for him, you know, <laughs> Pope John Claw, Tiger, Tiger, Tiger Pope. <laughs> what, uh, what did any voices like inform Tiger Claw for you when you first started him? You know, just, just kind of like almost like Darth Vader-ish kind of the way, the way Darth Vader talks is very thorough, you know, like that kind of rounded voice. And he had all of these crazy, like I traveled from dimension to dimension, that kind of really pronounced, very like commanding kind of voice that almost James Earl Jones has with his. That's like, he takes his time when he yeah. talks, you know, and it's like, ooh, like only someone that evil, like, why would you talk like that? Like no <laughs> one talks like that, you know? And it's, it's, and, and then you're in the room with like Kevin Michael Richardson, come on, like who's okay. playing Shredder. Like, how can you, there's no way to, to kind of like compete with, with Kevin. Kevin's uh, range you know, he's, he's, he's king of the deep end. Uh, you know, if we're in a swimming pool, he's, he's in command of the deep end. I'm like swimming between like where my feet can barely touch the pool ground. And like, you know, I can get, I can get low. Uh, and I'm surprised that it, it's sustained. Um, you know, it's almost like the same situation thinking about Kevin Conroy with Batman. Yeah. You know, he has a very nice quality to his natural speaking voice, Kevin, but when he dons the cowl, you know, that kind of like he, when he becomes Batman, yeah. he puts it on just a little bit. And I think now, if you've heard it, like I, I put a, a clip for you know, subconsciously, I guess, for Batman day um, the other day on social media. And it was, uh, I was, it was Teen Titans go. And they did a direct like style. Like it looked like Batman, the animated series, like, but it was in an episode of Teen Titans go. And I was playing the commissioner and when I heard him talk, because I hadn't seen it, I remember doing that part, knowing later it would be spliced with Kevin Conroy, like we would be sharing an animated scene together. I was like, oh my God, like this is going to be great. And I finally found it. I didn't know that it aired already. And his voice has just gotten so much deeper in time. So <laughs> be before, like thinking about Tiger Claw, I was like, oh my God, I hope I wasn't partying hard too much the night before my session. 
Because even when you you think about like high pitched voices like SpongeBob, if Tom Kenny, who's who has a band now, you know he's been singing on stage, if he like wrecks his voice just a little bit, he told me he's like it's hard to get in, it's hard to get into that SpongeBob range. But I'm like, if you wreck your voice, it's hard to even get into the low range too. Like mm-hmm. like having to speak like this for four hours is very hard. Does it hurt? But when you get close to the mic. You don't have to do it that hard, you know. You don't have to. You don't have to try that hard with mic technique. Um, it, it does not. It does not affect my voice anymore. But I remember there were sessions where I was like, "Uh oh, it's not." Uh, hey, it's me, Tiger Claw. Like it's not sounding <laughs> like menacing. And then I realized, yeah, well, I don't have to really like yell. I don't have to yell to make him sound scary. I have to just be a little bit more subtle subtle and quiet and slow and calculated to get that kind of vibe that they wanted from him like i can't see you but i can smell you turtles you know like that vibe where it's like you you know that that scene in the in the in the lot the, the the meat locker room uh like texas chainsaw massacre uh tiger claw where he's beating up the turtles and there's like hanging like carcasses of cows and stuff i was like i can't believe that this is on a children's network you know and then the demonic stuff i thought this was like uh gonna be shown after like uh an episode of sopranos on hbo i was like this can't be this can't be on nickelodeon but it's like after an all-new dora you know (laughs) (laughs) tiger claw summons the devil voiced by mark hamill um anyways yeah, you know, I, 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 speaking of Mark Hamill, I just wanted to, I had, I don't want to keep you forever, but I, I, I no, no, no. played uh, Luke Skywalker and you've worked with Mark Hamill. I mean, have you ever, uh, has this ever come up? I've never talked to him about it and I don't know. You know, what's strange. Uh, I mean, I don't know why. I mean, clearly his, his voice has changed over time. He can still kill the Joker like nobody else. I mean, oh, yeah. it's a voice that you know, talk about command of command of over your, your own voice uh, and developing this character that you have now ruined for every other actor trying for that part. There is yeah. no one else aside from Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill that should be voicing Batman or the Joker. It's crazy. For as long as those two men live, no one else because should. Because every time someone else does it, they're like, are you just copying Kevin or Mark? Because it sounds like, you know, it's hard yeah. to escape. Sure. It's so yeah. hard to say yeah, yeah. because that's the type, you know, like that is the type. They played it to a T. They found they were the lucky one, not even the lucky ones, but they were the ones that had that chemical X, that secret ingredient, the 13th ingredient in the Colonel's uh, chicken uh, batter that, uh, that everyone craves so much that laugh that Mark does and just the highs and lows and like, that the, the 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 playfulness and then like the scariness all yeah. wrapped into one uh and then you you, you talk about lego luke skywalker which is like it's so funny because i'm like do they want do they just want like a, a, like to try to match it to the show or to the movies to that performance talking about Tashi Station, Aunt Peru, Uncle Owen, you know, like all the whininess. <laughs> like, I'm never going to leave this, you know, this rock. I'm, I'm going to apply to get into the Academy, you know, like <laughs> all that stuff. And they're like, we want that, but we, it doesn't have to be with Lego. 
doesn't have to be an exact voice match as long as it's a, a good proximity. But you know me, I like to like inject as much as the original as possible. Yeah. And I wonder why they never, I'm sure they must have tapped on his, uh, his shoulder to, to try to, uh, you know, step in. Maybe if they start parodying the, uh, the later, well, you know, uh, the new trilogy where yeah. he's much older and clearly, you know, is the current mark then he can come in and play himself uh but so far it's been um pretty much other actors coming in to kind of parody like you know uh poe and finn and 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 kylo ren and all like the new characters and it's a special treat because i think they did have someone like billy d williams come in to play lando again uh for uh you know uh past uh i think they did like uh, a series recently and then they continue to do these specials uh we've never really talked about it and i'm sure he knows like there's <laughs> not there's not like you know let me tell you guys something about the voiceover community it's not big and it continues to get smaller and smaller as days go by and everyone knows each other and it's you know when they announce lego star wars when they announce there's this thing called star wars i don't know if you heard about it but when they announce star wars i'm sure a google alert comes up in mark's uh, email inbox saying and they're talking about star wars. you know i i'm sure he knows and if and yeah. if um and if he's listening, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Please don't slash my tires. But, uh, you know, it's nothing but love and respect. And, and um, you know, there's nothing that would please me more to see him come back. And because and, he is a voice actor too, you know, like he's a, a yeah. marquee voiceover artist. And it's not clearly with him by now. It can't even be about the money it he just loves doing it if he has the time to do it you know what i mean i know i mean he always says he's retired from the joker but he always comes back to voice the joker because he can do it he can still do it and he loves it and people love it when he does it so it would be amazing as again i always go fan first i always go fan first because that's 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 me I, i would i would have this bugs bunny hoodie even if I wasn't voicing Bugs Bunny, <laughs> you know no, what I mean. On that front, the uh, like when you do a Mel Blanc voice, you want to get the exact voice right. Like, is that that's the expectation, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, it is like for for you to say, "Hey, I'm stepping in as Bugs, and I'm Bugs, and I'm the Mel Blanc." You're crazy. You you are Looney Tunes if you can if you actually think that. I'm the sixth guy to do Bugs Bunny, and there's nothing that I would ever change about the mountain of work (laughs) that that Mel Blanc has left behind. It's irreplaceable. And what I love about other people's performances as bugs is that clearly they have taken something with them from their whole life and put it into their performance about what they love about bugs. Like when I hear, when I hear, uh, you know, Jeff Bergman, who was the first guy to voice Bugs. Actually, I think Joe Lasky was the first person to voice a Mel Blanc character while Mel was still alive. And that would be Yosemite Sam flying over the wall and Who Framed Roger Rabbit saying, my biscuits are burning. You know, that was was Joe Lasky. Rest in peace. Uh, But his version of Bugs, there is a certain warmth uh, that he brings to that voice that Mel had 
And that was in Looney Tunes back in action. I think vocal cord for vocal cord, Jeff Bergman has matched every one of Mel Blanc's characters to a T out the gate in 1989. Uh, he was the first person to voice Bugs, I think, after Mel Blanc passed away. He was, the, he was Bugs and Daffy at the very beginning of Gremlins 2 when they were fighting over oh, the yeah, shield. Yeah, yeah. That yes. wasn't Mel, that was Jeff. And he, God damn, he was so good. I mean, still good. Still, still, still can do those voices. And... Um, but what I miss the most, uh, and Billy West, if, if you listen to the Space Jam soundtrack, he's the voice of Bugs Bunny rapping uh, <laughs> in a track called uh, Buggin'. That was the name okay. of the rap song written by Sean Carter, a.k.a. Jay-Z. He was on the, he didn't use Jay-Z on, on the soundtrack, but he, he wrote his real name, Sean Carter. And I was laughing. I was like, this song is made by Jay-Z and it's Billy West <laughs> rapping as Bugs Bunny. And it's so good. If you listen to him, I would listen to that over and over again and, as a kid and go, oh my God, this guy could do Bugs Bunny and he's rapping. It's, it's blowing my mind. And um, uh, Greg Burson, who's also passed away, he was the Bugs Bunny in both nike commercials i think they were both super bowl commercials where bugs bunny and michael jordan team up against a gymnasium full of jocks and then two years later bugs bunny and michael jordan team up against marvin the martian who has stolen every air jordan shoe so uh <laughs> there is an element of every one of those performances that i love and i can see exactly what they're trying to pull out of that performance what i wanted to bring to my version of bugs was the uh the manicness of Mel. Uh, there is something about when you're impersonating and voice matching a classic character, you can get so accurate that it keeps you in this box of just the voice and not the acting. Yeah, the, how sure. dynamic those characters were. Like if you close your eyes and listen to like Yosemite Sam or like even Bugs or Daffy or Sylvester, there's so much punch and power that he injects into those performances it's crazy um uh, you know you can do that uh, and someone from the new york area doc you can see uh, whether or not i'm hitting the mark right i mean you can do the nasally brooklyn type accent right but it's the stuff where he's like "Ooh, i'm dying like that stuff where it's like oh my god like that's not even bugs anymore it's like he's yeah. just mel blank and then, you know, and then he, oh, and hey, Doc, and then he gets back to this, like, uh, d don't hurt me, Doc. You don't want to eat me. I'm all skin and bones. You know, like, it's that stuff where it's like, it's that, that level of energy as opposed to just like, okay, I'm, I'm in the pocket as Bugs, and that's, that's, that's what's going to keep my audience is that I sound like Bugs. But if you're not acting like Bugs, if you're not willing to let go and yeah, if you watch Looney Tunes cartoons, like the 10 episodes that are up on HBO Max now, those were definitely like the first few weeks of me doing the voice. And I'm still trying to find my like footing. You know, I'm standing in a room with Jeff Bergman and Bob Bergen who have been doing these voices for 30 years. And I'm like, hi guys, I'm the, the, the new guy. And it's like, you know, total, total respect. And they totally didn't call me on anything or like give me any notes. They just let me do my thing. But watch, if you watch later episodes, as these episodes roll out, know that I am getting like more comfortable with trying the yelling, the crazy, like that dynamic stuff. And that's, there was one moment in the trailer 
where Bugs is walking through an amusement park going, uh, you know, uh, high, uh, food and high cholesterol and saturated fat, you know, scary rides. I am amused. Like that, the, that weird Mel Blanc yell. Yeah. I did it. And I remember when I recorded it in the booth, I was like, you know, crapping my pants going, oh my God, this is, this is what's going to like, with the fans, they're going to be like, eh, that's not Mel Blanc, you know, like, but when they heard it in the trailer, the amount of positive response that I got, like, they're like, oh my God, like he's doing the yell. Like they, they recognized it. And that's what I wanted to do was give that feeling again. And, and the same thing with like these guys with Ninja Turtles, you know, when they're like, oh, you're going to play Leonardo in a movie and you're also going to fight Batman. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like, okay. Uh, the idea was just like the straight man. He's the straight man. Leo's the guy that's like, okay, we can, we can leave the sewers. That's fine. We can go to Gotham. We got to find out who this Batman is, but we got to do it all before Splinter finds out that we're away or else we're grounded. You know, like it's like that. It was just my voice, but just the seriousness and tone and the moments where he'd be like, Oh, okay. Okay. Mikey, calm down. You know, like those moments where you're like, this is what you remember about, this character about Leo or Bugs or or Tweety or Marvin or or Daffy. You haven't said anything about Daffy this whole going, time. Which is about Daffy? Oh, um, oh shit, you froze up. You there? Oh, what's that? Shit, are you there? Sorry, we froze yeah. up. Daffy, Daffy broke the internet. <laughs> All right, we're back. Okay, I, I have a question for you about Daffy. So you do da- You've done Daffy. Do you do him now? Oh, yeah. Uh, yes, uh, I'm doing him right now exactly at this moment in time. It's basically my impression of Richard Dreyfuss with a lisp. Uh, you know. <laughs> you do Daffy, but you, somebody else does Sylvester, right? Yeah, Jeff. Same voice? They, well, here's the thing. I'm doing uh, – it's funny because Daffy is Sylvester but sped up. Right, right, right. So if I try to do Sylvester, you know, eventually, uh, hopefully, I would love to do Sylvester, but I haven't really quite practiced that sloppy cat sound. He's a little, he lives more in the basement, and I think he's even sloppier than Daffy. But when I do Daffy, I do, like, I do the end result Daffy after. You're already sped up. up. And I actually, yeah, I have never tried to do Daffy the way Mel did it, which was he would do Sylvester and then they would speed up his voice. Like right. in Roger Rabbit, you can YouTube, um, you know, Daffy Duck, Roger Rabbit, Mel Blanc behind the scenes. And you'll okay. see him perform, you know, when Daffy and Donald are playing the dueling pianos in Roger Rabbit. It's like, does anybody understand what this duck is saying? The last time I worked with a duck with a speech impediment, you know, uh, all that stuff was Sylvester. And then they sped it up. Right. Um, I would be curious to hear how my performance as Daffy would change if I did that technique. But there's something about doing like a version of Daffy where I already know where all of this stuff, like all the highs and lows that he has, like it's in my brain. Like, I mean, it's like Cartman from South Park. Like if you watch um, that documentary, seven days to air, Trey Parker's doing Cartman, but he's, He's not doing like this thing. Like he's he's doing this weird like fat kid voice <laughs> that yeah. it just sounds like a fat a fat lazy guy like this. Like oh come on mama, I want a new laptop, you know. And when they speed that up, 
for whatever reason, it becomes Cartman. Sure. It becomes Cartman, the one that we know, the evil, cynical, fat kid from South Park. And it's amazing. I don't yeah. know what it is about that performance. Because before in that movie, uh, Basketball, you know, the Zucker Brothers uh, movie uh, with, with the South Park guys, there's a moment in the film where they're trying to psych out the other players who are shooting the, the basketball into the hoop. And he does the Cartman voice. And it's like, it's Cartman. It's, he's going, hey, yeah, see, like he was, he's doing the Cartman voice. And it's like, oh, so he does it like that. And then, you know, decades and decades later, you're watching this documentary and it's not like that. It's completely this different thing. And of, of course, characters evolve over time. Homer yeah. didn't sound as dumb no, as he more did. more Walter Matthau back then. Yeah, that's right, boy. You better go back inside or else you're grounded. No, he sounds like this Marge. I just want to eat this donut. You know, like, yeah. Oh, Homer, it's full of cholesterol. Don't eat that donut. Oh, Marge, come on. You know, <laughs> uh, I know we could sit here for hours and do that. But oh, uh, <laughs> is there anybody in, uh, in, in the Mel Blanc register that you've never felt like you could get quite right out of curiosity? Well, I mean, uh, that's a great question because you think about it, and there there are some. There's, I mean, Pepe Le Pew. Mm. I uh, I have been voicing Pepe Le Pew, yes, as the the skunk that chased the pussy cat. Mm-hmm. Sure. You know, when I do the kisses, I'm into it. Like I I'm like, okay, I'm in the pocket. But there is a very hard uh, thing about this voice that is very much just Mel Blanc's regular speaking voice. If you watch his interview again. What I love to do is watch interviews of people, uh, especially like Mel Blanc. And there's only a handful of them. I wish there were more. I know there's there's got to be more out there in existence. But, uh, uh, you know, he's got this very – and he, he comes from he, – he was at the birthplace of radio, for crying out loud, in the, the 30s and 40s. All over the Jack Benny show. Yeah. Yes. And it's like yeah. that's how he was trained to talk. He has a very clear voice. And it's very – you could hear every syllable and every – uh, notation in his voice and he's going through the list of voices that he's done with Letterman. Right. And, you know, he's already in his, probably in his late seventies, early eighties at this point. And he does Pepe Le Pew. And it's, it's one of the hardest voices that I feel like in any, in any voice actors, like if you're going to try to do a voice, this is the one, Oh my God, good luck. It, it is a hard voice to do. Uh, that one, uh, Yosemite Sam is so hard because it's like he's a real raucous cowboy, you know. He's a hey, you know, a hey, rabbit, you know. I, I mean, if you were to do that for four hours, like sure. good, that is what we call a Friday voice in voiceover because you don't speak on Saturday or Sunday, you know, you don't have to voice act. If you were to do that on Monday, your whole your whole week is screwed if you're a voice actor. If you gotta wake up, rabbit, you know, and, and do that for four hours. Uh, ooh, that rabbit. I hate that rabbit. You know, like that's, I mean, for if I could do that, those lines, because they're catchphrases. Anyone knows that one. But if you were to do like a whole, like, I, I, Fred Tatashore is the guy that's voicing Yosemite now, okay. uh, as we know, uh, Bebop, or oh, sorry, Rocksteady from the 2012 Ninja Turtles. Okay. He was uh, Storenko. He was the Russian uh, Rocksteady. Um I look at the dialogue. I'm like, hey, what's up? What's up there, uh, mustachio? Like, that's my one line. And then I look at the rest of the page and it's like, ooh. And I'm like, oh, my God. He has to read this, like, fucking dialogue. Like, it's like, 
like half the page is Yosemite. And I just go, oh, all right, Doc. Nice try. You know, and then the next page, Yosemite for half a page. And it's all exposition. It's like, if I'm going to get that rabbit, what I got to do? You know, and I'm like, I'm watching the sweat start rolling down, you know, and then I'm starting to sweat because he's sweating. (laughs) You know, it's like, it's it's high stakes because you're like, not only am I firing on all cylinders, there's a whole country of Looney Tunes fans that have to hear this and go, yes, that's, that's Yosemite. You know, it, it is not a voice that I, um, that I ever sought after. Elmer Fudd's a hard one, but that's not a Mel Blanc voice. That's uh, uh, be very, very quiet. I'm hunting wabbit. <laughs> that's uh, Arthur Q. Bryant. He was, another- oh man, that was going to drive me crazy. <laughs> Almighty warrior of great fighting stock, might I require to ask me what's up, Doc? Like, like the fact that those guys were doing these character voices, but singing like operatic music in these voices is, again, it, that's the difference between them and us. Like them in the forties, they were like opera. Like who who wants to learn opera? You know, like that's, oh, yeah. that was like a standard. It's like oh, let's sing opera. You know, I'm like, oh, no, thanks. I, I, I can't sing to save my life. But uh, when they asked me to sing on the show, I, I always like, I always laugh because there are moments in the old Looney, Looney Tunes where, you know, Bugs Bunny will, he's doing something and then he suddenly finds a piano. He's like, la, 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 la. He's tuning his own voice. Yes. And it's, it's, it's funny to us because it sounds awful, but it's because Mel Blanc is so good. He could sound like crap yes. and on purpose, you know, like. He does that stuff, and it's it is hilarious. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I I think of the hard the hardest voice to do would be Bugs because he is so intricate in his acting, uh, and and just the overall sound. We know we know what he's supposed to sound like, and we know when someone else is doing the voice that isn't Mel Blanc. So, if you're gonna ask uh, which is the is the one that I'm uh, you know the hardest voice to do, I mean Pepe Le Pew and Yosemite for the for the energy and for the fact that for Pepe Le Pew he sounds just like Mel Blanc with a French accent but with Bugs that is the most intricate I'd say technically to try to match because of the accent but more so the acting I yeah think. I mean he's I mean whereas you know and I love I mean I love, Foghorn Leghorn's my favorite <laughs> yeah it one note it. character Bugs Bunny yeah. is a whole person you know yeah yeah every every short he he is constantly becoming you know and it's an evolution too like it's 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 not like uh and just like people it's an evolution they change and they sometimes they stay that way and then sometimes they're different in the next episode and and he i feel same for daffy because daffy started out like a lunatic and then he became super greedy yeah 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 and and i mean it's so funny. Again, this is all coming from one guy. Uh, <laughs> I, we, we, I can't, I can't like, we've already only two characters deep into the, into the history of these characters. And I'm like, wait, this is one guy's work. Uh, yeah, it, it's, it's incredible. And um, again, I'll, I'll never, I'll never not be thankful for the, the opportunity to be a part of not just the Ninja Turtles, but the Looney Tunes franchise. Uh, speaking of which, I, I probably should wrap this back around into turtle. I, when I, I had Ken Mitroni on here, and because uh, he was a turtles artist, and we spent probably sixty percent of our podcast talking about uh, uh, talking about Jack Benny, and we remind ourselves this is a turtles podcast. 
Oh yeah. Yeah. Now you know, you know, Mel, uh, I love the Ninja Turtles. Oh yeah, why? Uh they they gotta get more samurai rabbits on that. You know, Usagi Yajimbo just you know, he needs a partner. <laughs> I mean that would be Usagi Yajimbo and Bugs Bunny. That's a crossover <laughs> away. That's like like the rush hour of uh of cartoon uh samurai rabbits. <laughs> uh, my last question for you, and uh, I asked this of everybody, who is your favorite ninja turtle? Donatello. Oh nice. Always, okay, me too. Always he the, I was always about the nerdy, the nerdy turtles, like like the tech the tech character. The character that had all the gadgets and would fail miserably. Uh you know, and I love the bow staff. There's something cool about that weapon, like that, like, like long stick. I mean, clearly, I think the most deadly weapons have to be the the, the katana blades uh, with Leo. But Donatello was, for whatever reason, he was always my favorite Ninja Turtle. And, uh, you know, it hasn't quite changed even, even over, even, even playing uh, Leo uh, more than I have Donatello. Uh, yeah, he, he would definitely be my favorite. That's awesome. How about you? Uh, Donatello. I've always been a Donatello. Right. And I, I just, I remember when I first got the news uh, that, that Rob Paulson was playing Donatello, I was like, oh my God, what a dream casting for Donatello. Good Lord. Yeah. I was like yeah. so excited about it. And, and I mean, like I just, throughout every version, for some reason, Donnie always ends up being my favorite. So Yeah. And again, with, Although, with- I will say this though. If I grew up with the 2012 show, it might be Michelangelo because Greg Sipes is so damn good. He, he here's the funny thing between him and Brendan Michael Smith, who played Mikey in the uh, in Rise, hmm. they were almost they're two different people, but the exact same person. There is a, a certain personality type, and having again been on two series back to back with Ninja Turtles. Having seen people step in and become these characters is quite a remarkable thing. Again, I equate it to like, you know, you're, you're an actor, you're sitting there, you get an email pop up from your agent saying they want you to audition for Leo or they want you to audition for Michelangelo. These are like Shakespeare characters at this point, you know, you know what the, they're supposed to sound like, you know how they're supposed to act. Unless, again, they're saying, no, he's the tech nerd this time or whatever. But even when they did change, like, between Raph and Mikey, they were still struggling with their emotions the way they do. Like, Raph was the leader, but he was still in, needs to be more in control of his temper, you know? Um and if there's anyone that did switch a lot, Leo was more like of like the sarcastic, wisecracking Raph from the 80s. Yes, but he is. Brendan Michael Smith, who played uh, Mikey, was so it was like another version of like Greg and vice versa. Like when I would walk into a, sh- a session, they were like the exact same person, and it was really funny to see. And I, I'll tell you, like the people that were there know exactly what I'm talking about as far as like just the way he carries himself personality wise, you know, like as an actor, you know, like it was funny to see two people play this character that brought so many similar qualities from their natural life to this role. And it's like, I I may not be cool enough to play Mikey. (laughs) I'm nerdy enough to, uh, to play Donnie. Yeah. I may be able to fake being a leader with with Leo. I, I, I could, you know, 
maybe get my tempers up for Raph, but I don't know if I'm cool enough to play Mikey. I'm not, I'm not like Greg. Greg is so cool and I'm not. <laughs> it's an exclusive club. Those two towns and Coleman. It's an exclusive. Yes, it is such cool. a, I would love to see three Mikey's like in a room together acting like that, like just pouring it on as Mikey, you know, like that yeah. would be a very fun, I would I would totally do that as a sketch instead of the three tenors do like the three Mikeys. That's what I loved about the crossovers is seeing the two Mikeys meet was like they were totally cool with it, well adjusted. They just like it was out. Oh yeah, no. Like hey bro, what's up? What's up, Mikey? Nothing much, Mikey. You know it's like, <laughs> and I mean, and then he's Beast Boy, which is like another like oh, yeah. you know he's got a thing with with these green characters. I don't know. Well, honestly, that wraps it up for me, man. I'm so I'm so grateful to talk to you. And uh, if anyone's not checking out these new Looney Tunes things, they're awesome. They even, oh, why, uh, thanks, Doc. They're great. And they even need Bugs the yellow gloves back. There's really a lot. I know, I know. People are like, is he washing dishes? No, that's the way it was. <laughs> <laughs> well, well thank, you for, thank you for clearing that up. And uh, again... Anytime, I would love to come back on and, and continue the, the chat and the talk. And maybe I will uh, when um, the movie comes out uh, for Netflix. Or by the time you've played the other two Ninja Turtles. Be sooner oh, even. my God. <laughs> I, I, maybe I'll just pitch them a short where it's just, uh, you know, Raph and Mikey, and I get to play them both. There we go. <laughs> Thanks so much, man. I appreciate Raph and Mikey, Rick and Morty. That almost sounds very similar. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe they go on sci-fi adventures. Maybe they, like sneak off in one of Donatello's like time traveling ships or something. And, and we could totally spin off Rick and Morty, but Raph and Mikey. Oh, completely, completely. You have like the complete, like cool groovy guy. And then you have like this pent up angry guy. Like they're, they're total opposites, you know? <laughs> Thanks again, man. I really appreciate talking to you. This is great. Cool, man. Anytime. And you be safe. And uh, we will uh, we will see you on the next episode. Sounds good. Take care. Alrighty. See ya.